I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com. Welcome to this episode of RAIN's Essential Geopolitics podcast. Chinese leader Xi Jinping just wrapped a two-day state visit to Vietnam in which the two countries agreed to upgrade ties to a community of a shared future. The visit likewise produced dozens of memoranda of understanding. Here to break this down is Asia-Pacific analyst Nate Fischler. Welcome to the podcast, Nate. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. To get us started, um, what is the nature of these upgraded relations, uh, and is this an alliance between China and Vietnam? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a bit of a symbolic moniker. Um, in fact, it's it's almost entirely symbolic. Um, there's some back and forth over the wording of this upgrade in ties, um, community of common destiny, community of shared future. Uh, but fundamentally, there are no structural commitments involved in this relationship or in this designation of the relationship. Um, it's basically to symbolize that there is some sort of vague shared vision for the future, both strategically and economically, but it does not come packaged with any sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, requirements, commitments or, or anything of that nature. Um, and it being an alliance is also definitely not not the case. Um, so there's been some worry, I guess, in Western corners that Vietnam is inching into the into China's camp. But you know, in in, in line with there not being structural requirements, there's no there's not a, a um, significant military component. This is very much not um, an alliance, and it's more, more along the lines of a, of a symbolic upgrade in ties in order for the two countries to demonstrate to one another, um, that, you know, each one holds the other at a high level of importance. Um, and that given their, their geography and their shared history, um, that they want to have a sort of shared vision on, on where to go. But again, that's all very vague, um, and does not, is not tantamount to an alliance in any way. There's been a lot of diplomatic activity in Vietnam lately. Can you tell us why now um, and what is each country's strategic calculus here? Yeah, sure. Um, so, right, as you point out, you know, Xi Jinping coming to Vietnam is the latest in a series of, of visits, high profile um, visits with major countries. This includes the United States and Japan, both of whom, or both of which, rather, upgraded ties with Vietnam to Vietnam's. Um, top-tier designation, a strategic, uh, comprehensive strategic partnership um, earlier in the year. So Xi Jinping and China um, coming down to Vietnam to um, likewise upgrade ties is definitely a response to this. That's part of the why now. Um, both China and Vietnam feel a need to, to rebalance the relationship because the United States and Japan have been elevated to Vietnam's top tier designation, which China also has. I mean, this that what that did, you know, a few months ago, was place Chinese China's rivals, um, you know, the U.S. and Japan, on the same diplomatic level in 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 the Vietnamese context um, as China. So, uh, what China wants and what Vietnam would like to um, give China is the sense that no, actually. 
you know, we take our relationship with, with, with you much more seriously. And, you know, the symbolic elevation of ties is to show, is for Vietnam showing China that um, on, the, on the hierarchy of importance, it's higher up than, than any of these other countries, including the United States and um, Japan. So that's one angle of it. Uh, otherwise, you know, there's, there's Vietnam, you know, prior to this year only had this designation with a, with a handful of countries, China, Russia, and India. They've upgraded it with, with South Korea as well this year. So we have US, Japan, South Korea. They're probably going to upgrade uh, relations with a few other countries next year um, along the same trajectory, like Indonesia, uh, Singapore, maybe Thailand. Um, so they're doing, Vietnam is doing all of this multi-directional foreign policy, of course, um, undertaking, you know, its own agency, trying to remain independent, not under the influence of any geopolitical camp, not under the influence of, of Washington or Beijing. But in order to do that, they have to assuage Chinese fears that they're, um, I mean, going rogue is not the right right terminology, but that, but that, that, that Vietnam's independent action is not threatening to, to, to China. This is a message that Vietnam feels compelled to get across to China. Um, again, with the, the long history, of course, the two fought a, a brief but bloody border war in 1979, skirmishes, you know, all throughout up until normalizing relations in the, in the early 90s. So the threat of annoying China, um, it, it, you know, it's not just a recent historical memory. This is a, a deeply entrenched um, deeply entrenched aspect of, of Vietnam's foreign policy that if it wants to get close with anybody, uh, particularly Chinese rivals, then they need to do something to, to appease uh, uh, Beijing. So that's sort of China's strategic calculus here. Uh, I'm sorry, Vietnam's strategic calculus. Uh, and for China, it's just, you know, the, the inverse of that. Um, they don't, they want to prevent Vietnam from straying too far into, um, you know, a, a camp that isolates China or it seeks to contain China. Um, and there's also an economic component, um, which, you know, mostly ties into infrastructure. So the two sides are going to um, upgrade their, their rail ties. It's, you know, over a century old railway that runs between southern China and northern Vietnam that needs to be upgraded for more, um, you know, effective and synergized supply chains. China also wants to get into the into Vietnam's rare earths. Um, Vietnam has the second largest deposits of rare earths in the world after China, um, but um, mostly, generally, lacks the, the know-how, the wherewithal to actually mine that stuff out of the ground and properly refine it and, um, and export it. So, uh, but, you know, I should note that out of the dozens of memoranda of understanding, um, we have not yet seen one, they're not all public yet, but we have not yet seen one on rare earths, which is a bit of a surprise coming out of that, that visit because we know that this is something that's important to China. So we'll see, and Vietnam as it tries to build out its, um, its rare earths industry and, and learn that know-how and build, build it from the ground up. So we'll have to watch, that's definitely something to watch in the China-Vietnam relationship going forward is rare earths, which the U.S. is also interested in. So we have another vector of competition within Vietnam over its rare earths developing um, as the U.S. and its, its allies like Australia um, on, on one side getting into Vietnam to help it mine and um, refine its rare earths and then China trying to do the same thing. You mentioned the role of Vietnam's historical tensions with China. Do these recent developments mean anything for the ongoing maritime dispute between China and Vietnam in the South China Sea? 
Right. Um, yeah, and that, you know that is the major irritant in bilateral relations between China and Vietnam. Of course, you have this long-standing maritime dispute. China claims you know almost the entirety of the South China Sea and has overlapping claims with Vietnam. Um, and there have been tensions over this. Um, you know, just earlier this year, uh, the v Vietnamese maritime forces you know, followed around an intruding Chinese uh, vessel as it as it uh, snaked its way through the South China Sea for around a month near um, oil and gas projects. Um, so it is a big deal. And um, interestingly, though, you know, the only thing that I've, I've gathered from this meeting that they talked about it was to have um, frank discussions about the issue, but did not do anything to resolve it. However, you know, practically speaking, the, the result will be a sort of a, a holding pattern between China and Vietnam in the South China Sea. Um, you know, this is very different from what's going on between China and the Philippines in the South China Sea, where things are are escalating. Um, but but you know, the the more that Vietnam and and China can sort of interlink their economies, uh, create some codependencies, um, this will not this sort of kicks the can down the road, so to speak. But it provides incentive for both of them to to stay in this this holding pattern and not push the issue too far. Um, you know, having the economic incentive sort of takes away the security um, fears a little bit uh, because, you know, it just ups the stakes and makes the risks higher um, in order to pursue something like that. So uh, fundamentally, uh, you know, not much came out of the summit in terms of the South China Sea, but the implication is that um, it will reduce the likelihood of, um, you know, unintended uh, unintended collisions, accidents, uh, dangerous maneuvers between these two countries, at least, if not for, you know, the other claims to the South China Sea uh, going forward. So that's another thing to watch in this relationship. But um, deeper economic ties um, will definitely help forestall some unintended action um, in the South China Sea. Right. Well, thank you so much for that update, Nate. Thank you, Emma. If you're interested in more analyses from Rain, you can subscribe to our geopolitical intelligence product, Rain Worldview. Our suite of risk products allow clients to access the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. You can sign up or learn more at our website, rainnetwork.com. That's R A N E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.